you know, a lot of people talk about like making it as a musician and like, you know, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, and for me, like that's, that's the pinnacle, you know, we were all there to like, just kind of experience the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's all I've ever wanted to do as a musician was just like bring people together. Hello and welcome to Where the Living Room Used to Be, a podcast about Rhode Island's music scene. Hey everyone, it's James. My guest for this episode is Chris Carrera. You may know him from numerous bands including Weak Teeth, Blood Pheasant, Deleted Arrows, and Yavin 5. In our conversation, he talks about DIY shows and punk matinees in Providence, his experience playing Weak Teeth's quote-unquote final show before his move to Denver, and why AS220 is a special place to him. I appreciate you all checking this out. Please rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to follow along on Facebook and Instagram, at Living Room UTB, for photos of show flyers and more from Chris's time in music. What was your introduction to music? Uh, well, my dad's a pianist. Okay. Like, what kind of piano is it? Mostly, like, jazz and classical. Okay. Um, so, like, he... Like, I can remember, like, being a kid and just him practicing, like, Bach and Mozart pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, now... And, like, this is stuff that he's always done, but now, like, his job is... Uh, he lives down in Florida, and he he's basically does background music for, like, different restaurants. Oh, Okay. Um, and so like he, he'll and, play live in the restaurant. Yeah, okay. yeah. And it's not like super loud. It's just kind of like instead of them putting on like a Spotify station or something, mm-hmm. like he just like sits there and plays piano for, you know, four, five, six hours, whatever it is. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, he, you know, was always like we always had we had a piano in the house and he was always playing. And like he would always just get me to like count out music. Like when I was a kid, you know, he'd always say it. like one thing he always asked me was, where's the one? Yeah. Okay. And, you know, like uh, if you find the one, you can at least know like where that that progression starts and. Yeah, like, even, like, from when I was, like, three and four years old, like, I can remember just, like, being, like, in my dad's car and, like, going to wherever. And okay. Him, and us listening to, like, the jazz station and him saying, where's the one? You know, not that I ever, like, got into theory too much, but, like, I can remember, you know, just, like, having that sort of, like, thought process in my head about, like, like finding music and, like, counting it and, like, just trying to follow along with it in, like, a certain a certain way. Yeah. Um, but, like, I never wanted to do what my dad did. Like, when I was a kid, like, everyone was always like, oh, like, do you want to play piano like your dad? And I was like, no, I want to play guitar. Okay. And, like, I don't know why, because, like, he was never into rock music. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, I, like, discovered WBRU, you know, mm-hmm. and I was always into, like, the rock stations. Yeah. And for some reason, like, that always spoke more to me. Yeah. And I always wanted to be, like, like a more, like, aggressive musician. Yeah, okay. Um, Did your father take you to any... Uh, concerts or shows like when you were younger? Not like really. Um, so I don't remember who played specifically, but the first like live music I ever saw was one of like the BRU summer concert series. Okay. It was some terrible, you know, like alt rock, mm-hmm. you know, band of the 2000s. Uh, but that was like the first like live music I ever saw. And then the first like proper like concert yep. or show that I went to was uh, the WBRU birthday bash because 311 played. Oh, nice. And they were, like, my favorite band for, like, years and really? years and years. Yeah. yeah. I used to love 311. Nice. And to be fair, I'll, I'll still get down with, like, some of the early records. There's some, like, gnarly riffs on it. That's cool. Yeah. So, like, BRU was a big part of... Uh, totally, yeah, because that was, you know, at least... And what year was this? What uh, This was... Or that, that, that show that I went to uh, to see 311 was 2001. Okay. Um so yeah, and it was at Lupo. So it was when they were they were huge, but they were yeah, still yeah. small enough of a, of a band where like they only could play Lupos. Yeah. Or or like Lupos was like the biggest venue that they could fill. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like I went to this like giant arena mm-hmm. or anything. Um, which is kind of cool thinking about seeing a band like that in in a venue as small as Lupos was. Yeah. Consider all things considered. Yeah. 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 When did you start playing guitar? Uh, I got guitar your first instrument. Yeah, guitar. Guitar was my first instrument, pretty much my only instrument. Uh, yeah, unless you count bass. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I got my first guitar when I was nine. Okay. And, and I I took lessons for like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it was very boring. Like I didn't love it as much as I thought. I always wanted to be like a rock star and I always wanted to like write songs, but like the way I was taught was not very good. And then my, the guy who I was taking lessons with, he like had to take a summer off or something. So I stopped taking lessons. And when I stopped taking lessons, I stopped practicing. And then I just like put my guitar down and I didn't touch it for like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wasn't until I was like maybe 13. Um, and a friend of mine was over and he was like, Oh, like you have a guitar. That's so cool. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like I haven't played in a while. He's like, Oh, like just, just play me something. And I, I picked it up and we were listening to the radio and I, I don't remember what song it was, but I remember just like, wasn't even paying attention. I just started plucking strings and all of a sudden I was playing what was on the radio, like whatever song. It was. <laughs> and I was like, Holy shit, I can like do this, I guess. Yeah. Um, and that's what, you know, and I was like, Oh, maybe it's not so bad. Like maybe, like, you know, maybe I can actually do what I want to do with this thing mm-hmm. instead of just like learning string by string what these notes are. Oh, okay. You know, I can so actually like play a song. You started to uh, like teach yourself just from that. Like, yeah, okay. exactly. Um, well, it seems like your, you know, upbringing, just that subconsciousness of like mm-hmm. listening to music, like a little bit more deeply kind of totally trained you for that, you know? So when you were yeah. three to, you know, those 10 years till you were 13, that was mm-hmm. kind of just running in the back of your head. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. And did you start a band around that time? Or? Yeah, so I started my first band when I was 14. Um, yeah. What with, was the name of that band? Uh, that was called Upset Broke. Okay. Uh, and that was that was my high school pop punk band. Yeah. And the kid who like who I was hanging out with that one time that was like, you should pick up that guitar and play me a song. He ended up being in that band as well. He played bass. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we were just very much like, you know, wanted to be Blink-182. Okay. Just your your very stereotypical high school pop punk band. Yeah. Where did you play shows? Um, we played at the living room a bunch, and uh, we played at AS220 a whole lot of times. Uh, like way back in in the day, there used to be these Saturday matinees at AS220 called Musicality. Okay. Uh, I don't know who started it, how we got involved with it. Like all of a sudden, it was just a thing that we all did. Yeah. Um, you know, and like we like so the. The, the two other guys in my band, we were, like, the only, like, punk kids, like, in our grade at our school. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there were some older kids who were in the punk scene, but, like, they were, like, too old and, like, didn't, like, we weren't cool enough to hang out with them. Okay. Uh, but we'd go to these musicality things, and, like, that's where I ended up meeting, like, Mike and John and Neil from, oh, really? from Wee Teeth. Yeah, like, that's how I know those guys. Um, what band were they? They were in a band called Gunshot Wound. Okay. Um, and they, and that band continued... Um, I ended up joining Gunshot Wound when Keith moved away for college because they wanted to keep playing. And this, I mean, this, we were all in college at this point and, you know, they were, I was going to college with Mike at the time and we would run into each other and he was like, Hey, like we're looking for, you know, another guitar player mm-hmm. because blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I'll, like, I'll do it. Like, I've always liked you guys. Like I thought you were, always thought you were a cool band. Yeah. Um, and so I started playing with them and then that eventually turned into Wee Team. Um, yeah, okay. So, like, Weak Teeth has been together for a really long time, but, like, those three guys have been playing together since, like, 2001. Um, wow, okay. So, they, they like, the three of them have been playing together for, like, almost 20 years. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. Um, so, that's uh, Mike and John Pagano and Neil King. Right? Yes, yeah. correct. But, yeah, so, like, going back to the musicality, you know, like, we were all the same. We were all, like, 15 and 16 at the time. Yeah. Um, and, like, everyone went to different schools, and, like, they weren't people that I hung out with, you know, like outside of this little thing um you know because like we didn't have cell phones we could mm-hmm. get in touch with each other any other way um but it was it was one of those things where it was like cool like you know like the third saturday of every month or whatever it was you know like i'm gonna see all these people and like we're gonna have this cool like little we're gonna have this like show and you know it's free and we're just gonna go and we're gonna like see what they've been doing they're gonna see what we've been doing yeah and like everyone's gonna be there and it's gonna be a blast and, like that's just like what we looked forward to yeah, how um, many bands usually played? Was it a uh, typical like three or four bands? Or? It was, no, it was more. It was like six or seven, oh, okay. eight maybe. Wow. Um, yeah, and it was. It, it started early. It started at like two or three in the afternoon. Yeah, and it would go until whenever. Yeah. Um, and it was just like this all day thing, and you know, like a lot of the people that I that that I ended up knowing like throughout high school and even into college, and people that like I still sort of keep in touch with now, I met originally through that. Okay. Um, so, like, if it wasn't for that, like, I don't know if I know the people that I know or if I, like, ever would have done the things that I, like, did even back then. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so that was like a huge turning point for for me personally like for my music career yeah um was just playing these like weird like saturday punk bands uh what was the next band that you played with after uh that? so after that uh i started or i i was in uh yeah five and okay. that was when i was in college and what kind of band was that that was like a weird just like early 2000s can't make up its mind hardcore like okay. it was, it was kind of jazzy. It was kind of thrashy. It was just wacky guitar parts. Yeah. Um, it's like a lot of time changes. I was like very into playing guitar at the time. And I was like, let's just do, I'm going to put as much as I can do in this one song as possible. Like as many notes as possible. As many. Yeah. And it wasn't like, like shreddy, like solo wise. It yeah. was just like, I'm going to put in like all these riffs and it doesn't matter if they go together because like <laughs> music is weird right now and I don't care. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I was listening to a lot of, like, Blood Brothers and Converge and Thrice and Poison the Well and whatever other bands were popular in, like, 2004 and 5. Okay. Um, and it just, yeah, we were, it was definitely, like, a, like a musician's band. Because, like, like, that, like, Yavin 5 would play shows and, like, no one would care. But then other bands that we play with would come up to us and be like, yo, you guys were sick. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> which was cool that, like, like someone appreciated it, yeah. but like the people who were just there to see the show were like, "This doesn't make sense." <laughs> yeah, what's happening? Right <laughs> yeah, <now>? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean that that band stayed together for kind of a while. I mean, we played our last show in like 2009, maybe. Okay. Um, and then we did like a reunion, quote unquote, yep. show in like 2012, I think, mm-hmm. um, for the Tor Johnson 10 year anniversary. Yep. Um, and and again, that was, I forget exactly what year that was, but that was like two or three years after we had like, like actually stopped playing. Okay. And where were you doing shows with with the album five? Was it that um, was mostly at the living room because our our bassist worked there. Okay. He was he was the door guy. Yeah. Um, Joe Bernardo. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, yeah. He went on to work at the Met too. Yeah, um, yeah. So he like you know he was always able to get us shows there. Oh, cool. um, whether it was like a smaller show or a bigger show. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also for like that style of music, like that's kind of where everything was happening was at the living room. Um, like yeah. more of the hardcore ish shows. Yeah. 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 Cause we, we had opened for every time I die. Uh, we opened for an albatross. We opened for ISIS once, once, which was really weird. Uh, yeah, okay. we did not belong on that show. <laughs> it was, it's cool to say that I played with ISIS at the living room. Yeah. Uh, but Again, did not belong there at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, a lot of the more like pseudo DIY, you know, just kind of like wacky hardcore stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like a lot of that was happening at the living room. Cool. Um, and and th- that was also the time of like uh, like VFW hall shows. Yeah. Um, so like Paul DiCiccio and I, we would we booked a lot at. Uh, at the Providence Turners. I yep. don't know if you ever went to a show there. I never did. No. Um, but yeah, they would like rent out the basement to us for like 200 bucks. Okay. Um, and, and we did a lot of shows there and we, you know, we also played at various, there was like the American Legion on Smith street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like, like that band was a very like specific, specific venue band. Okay. Like we played at ASU 20 once, I think, or maybe twice, but at the time ASU 20 was, was a very, I don't want to say different place, but it kind of catered to certain bands that we were not. Yeah. You know, um, so like we didn't fit with a lot of like what was happening there. Okay. Um, so we, we never played. Yeah. What records did you do with them? We, we put out one record in 2006. Okay. I think. And we had written a bunch of stuff after that, that never ended up getting recorded. Okay. Um, and I, I still to this day would like to try to, remember how to play those songs and record them because just to like have that documentation of like what I've done. I got you. But yeah, I, yeah. I doubt it. Went around. <laughs> yeah. Those are also just kind of, you know, lost in the graveyard of songs. Okay. And where had you been recording to this point? Where did you do the Yavin 5 record? Or? The Yavin 5 record we did at the parlor. Okay. Um, when, when they had a recording studio. Yeah. Um, like over by Jam Stage, right? Is that... Yeah, okay. yeah, I think it's in the same building that James H. Okay. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, we did, I did a couple recordings there. Uh, yeah, we did the Yavin 5 EP. Uh, we did the Jesus Centric LP there. 
and we did the week, the first week teeth seven inch there as well. And again, that was just because we knew like Aaron from the living room and, you know, I don't remember if he necessarily cut, uh, cut us a deal on recording there, but it was just kind of like, we know a guy who has a recording studio who can get us in like whenever we want. Yeah. Okay. So it was never, you know, we never had to like contact anybody like outside of our circle. It was, you know, we could talk to him in person at the bar that we knew he worked at that we worked to all the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was just a very easy thing to like lock in, you know? Uh, so then after, so after Yavin 5, I did Jesus Centric, but that was like all kind of happening at the same time. Yeah. So there was like Yavin 5, Jesus Centric, and Weak Teeth that were all kind of happening at once. Okay. Um, how did you, how did that come about? Was it just from that, that group of people from AS220 and? Yeah, just like, it, it was really just, you know, meeting people and, you know, wanting to do other, like different projects and, yep. you know, or like people wanting to start bands and. They're like, we know Chris, he plays guitar, right? Yeah, yeah just <laughs> kind of being like a guy that, you know, for some reason people wanted to be in bands with. And mm-hmm. and it just kind of like, you know, snowballed from there. Because Paul and I had become friends from when he owned Cathartic Records. Okay. And I started hanging out there like after school. And then, I mean, this was like in high school, I, I, I met him. And then like once I was, and, like you know, we kept in touch. And once I was in college and I started having five and he was, he booked us a lot. Um, like we played it at the record store a couple times, I think. And, you know, he, he put out the Avon 5 EP. Mm-hmm. So he just became a guy that I was like, you know, like a, like a slightly older guy, like a few years older than I was, who like had been a part of something that I had wanted to be a part of. So he was like, he was someone that I like really looked up to and I still look up to. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just like my dude now. Whereas then he was like, it's like, whoa, like this guy owns a record store. He runs yeah. a record label. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and now it's like, oh yeah, it's fucking Paul. But yeah, just like, you know, I, I can remember hanging out with him and like he and I talking about starting a band and, you oh, know, okay. somehow that's how Jesus Centric was born. Yep. Um, and who else was in Jesus Centric? Uh, so Jesus Centric was Paul and I and uh, Derek Garforth, who later went on to be in Blood Pheasant with me. Mm-hmm. And then originally we had another guitarist or a second guitarist. Uh, his name's Tim. He wasn't in the band for very long. He, he quit after a certain point and we just kind of stayed on as a three piece. Okay. Um, and we did that for a few years and then I backed out just cause I, I wasn't really having fun with it anymore. Okay. Um, which is weird to think about nowadays, but, um, that you weren't having fun playing music. Is that what you're saying? Or just like just in, in that band in particular, like it was yeah. nothing like specific to them. It was just like, 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 uh, you know, like my time in that band for me had kind of run its course. Okay. Like I, I felt like I couldn't really be like a productive member of of that band, like as as it was, yeah. Um, was so, it because you're also playing in other bands that overlapped and they took more? Yeah, I mean, I was or... I was playing in other bands. I don't know if I, I wouldn't say they took more. They they were taking up time. Um, I just kind of found that like I wanted to do you know this thing as opposed to that thing. I got you. Um, yeah, that was the first band, first and only band I think I ever quit, which was really hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, quitting yeah. a band sucks when it's like two of your best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they they stayed a band for for a short while after after I left, which was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then I just kind of kept kept going from there, and then and then Weak Teeth was kind of like the main the main thing for you know a really long time after that. Yeah, can you talk about like how that started? I mean, I know you said that you kind of filled in uh, with the the previous band, but when did the idea of Weak Teeth? And that style of music. Yeah. Start. So 
so yes, like I said before, you know, I joined, I joined Gunshot Wound and they were, you know, they had, a, there were a bunch of songs that I just like learned, you know, mm-hmm. they were like their, their songs that they had written. And I just kind of came in and like, you know, threw my own flair and came up with some, some parts for certain parts of songs. But yeah, then we, you know, we just kind of kept writing music from there. And then, you know, the more we wrote music, the more it started to change and it kind of became a different band and it, and it kind of had been a different band, like since I joined okay. just cause it wasn't like, like we were doing two completely different things. So like I started and I learned the songs that they had written and played with their their old guitar player, but then once we started writing new songs with me, you know, it kind of took on a different life. Yeah. Okay. Um, and like we all kind of like learned and grew together, and we like you know got into different bands together, and you know like had a more like wanted to expand the sound. Okay. Um, then how well, how was the decision made to start Weak Teeth? Like, do you remember that? conversation or um, kind like of sort of songs that you wrote with them like yeah so we so at a certain point we all really got into a band called from ashes rise okay who were like a sort of a crust band kind of sort of but like more polished like yeah. a crusty punk rock and roll kind of band uh and we started getting more into like that style of songwriting so so at that point you know like we had been or like at like so at yeah 2009 we you know we were playing all these songs that they had written you know between 2001 and then yeah um you know and then we kind of wrote a few more songs like throughout that year and then because yeah we put out the first we put out the We Teeth seven inch in 2010 we recorded that January of 2010 mm-hmm. so like somewhere within within like the middle of 2009 we were like this is you know kind of sounds like a different band this is like taking out a different a different shape and a different form and you know i think it might be time to like leave this name in the past this old name in the past yeah and just and kind of you know let's try to grow into something new that's us and not like a weird like fracture of something that used to be okay um you know because gunshot wound was this old band and then i joined that but then weak teeth is us. The four of you. Yeah, yeah Weetie is, is the four of us. Yeah. Uh, and that never changed and it will never change. final week teeth show mm-hmm. um was just a really special night for me as a fan i don't know yeah can you talk about what that was like for you um it was uh that show was really emotional um and where was that again that was at aurora yeah okay um yeah that was just kind of like i decided to move um to denver and you know we were and the guys were like well i guess we should like try to do like a quote unquote final show like we weren't yeah. breaking up or anything it was yeah. just you know we're not going to be in the same place you know yeah. let's just kind of do this one thing like like we we called it the last one until the next one yeah which i think was very appropriate yeah um but yeah we i mean we dropped the ball on booking it um and it ended up being like on a wednesday night um and we were like this is gonna suck like, <laughs> it's wednesday like fucking no one's coming and we had asked like you know some like uh bands from out of town to come yep. play like just really good buddies of ours. Yeah. Um, and I think we had like 150 people there. Yeah. Which was nuts. Like we did not expect that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, well, 150 people at a Providence show is, is kind of unheard of. Yeah. <laughs> regardless, yeah. Regardless of the it's thing, like a like, stadium show, you know? <laughs> yeah. The fact that that many people came out to see one thing at one time is like kind of insane. Yeah. Cause that never happens. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, there's, uh, thankfully you can't see it in the video because a friend of ours filmed the whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, and it's on YouTube, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thankfully you can't see this, but like, even during like the, like the first chords that I started playing, I was just like, like I could feel the tears just like right in my, like in the back of my head. Yeah. Um, and it, I was just like, from, from the get go, I was like, this is like, this could be it. Mm-hmm. You know, like we may never play another show again. Um, but just like thinking about all the things that we've done with that, with that band and things that mm-hmm. we did together, like I can't imagine doing those things and like sharing those experiences with anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and like all of that stuff just kind of like came flooding in like during that show. And just like the fact that there were that many people there to like share that with us mm-hmm. um, was a, just a very like unreal and humbling experience. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about like making it as a musician and like, you know, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Uh, and for me, like, that's like that, that's the pinnacle, you know, like just playing a show like with my best friends in front of a lot of people who are either other best friends or like people that I really care about. Um, you know, we were all there to like, just kind of experience the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's all I've ever wanted to do as a musician was just like bring people together. Yeah. Um, and like, just kind of create this sense of community and, you know, just do, do something awesome with people that you love. Yeah. But before we move on from there, I mean, I'd, I'd love to talk just a little bit about, um, the, so you ruined your life album as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, for me, it was just a matter of, you know, wanting to become a better, a better musician and a better songwriter. Mm-hmm. And like, how, how can I do that? Um, while still, you know, keeping people interested. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, keeping people interested is, is going to vary based on who's listening. Um, cause some people are going to be like, Oh, this is, there's way too much going on. Like I, <laughs> I can't handle this. Uh, but then some people like that's like, you know, and for me, like that's kind of what I want. And that's kind of the music I was like listening to at the time. Yeah. Um, like, even like in, in the Yavin yeah, five days, you know, like, like my whole, like I, I did most of the songwriting for that band and my whole thing with, with that was like, again, not wanting to repeat parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I did having it be a little bit different, so it, it kind of kept you and me as, as the person playing the song keeps me excited about it too. Mm-hmm. And just, um, and even just like listening to like, you know, certain types of like wacky hardcore bands who just like had a song that just like kept moving and ever, and ever moved backwards. I know it just kind of, it started and then it just kept going. Yeah. And then, you know, at like by the, by the time you've reached the end of the song, you're just like, whoa, like they put, there was so much in, in that song. Yeah. And they didn't, and they didn't touch anything twice. Yeah. You know, everything, everything had its place and it was played as much as it needed to be played, but then they just kept going. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and it just kind of forces you to, to like, you know, see where else a progression can take you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just like, okay, we've got like these couple riffs and we're just going to bounce back and forth between them. You know, like, cause obviously you want to keep it in a similar key or you want it to have like the same kind of feel. So how can I take this thing that I've already written and how can I expand on that in a different way that's still tied to what it is right now? Yeah. Um, so it just kind of forces you to like think about music a little bit differently. And, and again, it really just come down, comes down to like, what do you want to listen to? Mm-hmm. Um, cause I mean, I mean, there are bands that I've been in that, you know, I, you know, will put on the recording and I'm just like, Oh, well, this is awful. Um, but I'll, I'll put on Wee Teeth stuff, like, if I'm feeling really nostalgic, and I'll, like, still be psyched. Yeah. You know, like, I try, I try to forget that I had a part in writing those songs, because I just want to, like, be a fan of it. Mm-hmm. You know, because, like, that's the kind of stuff I want to listen to. Yeah. Um, and, like, if you can't listen to your own band, then, like, what's the point? Mm-hmm.
how did Blood Pheasant start? Um, so Blood Pheasant started um, with Shannon and I, who she was kind of like the main, or she was like the main person in, in Blood Pheasant. Um, and when her and I were dating, you know, I always like really wanted to like play music with like my girlfriend, you know, okay. like not specifically her, just like in general, it's like a thing, like as a musician, it's a thing I always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we started dating and, you know, we, we talked about doing a band and, you know, then we brought in Derek, who was in, who was in Blood Pheasant and, or, or who was in Jesus Centric, sorry. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, we asked Neil to play drums and, you mm-hmm. know, we brought him in and we, you know, like Neil and I were doing Wheat Teeth, you know, Shannon had another band, Derek, you know, she's in Gertrude. and she's in Gertrude Atherton. Yeah. yeah. And like Derek's a teacher, so he kind of has his priority, you know, um, and, like, between the four of us, we were always like, this is going to be, like, a side project. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just going to be something, you know, like, we'll write different kind of music and we'll have fun. And, like, you know, we'll play some shows every now and again. Maybe we'll record a record. You know, like, we're not going to take this too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's the band that, like, really ended up taking off, mm-hmm. um, which was very unexpected. Okay. Um, what was that? Re- what was the response to, to Blood Pheasant? Was it like right from the start, like the first shows that you were doing, or was it once the record yeah, was it out? was it was pretty it was pretty instantaneous. Um, you know, people for whatever reason, people just like really latched onto it, mm-hmm. um, and and that was a very different band from anything that like I had ever been in, and I think that any of us had ever really been in because it was you know it was heavy and it was it was just as intense as like other projects we had been in before, but it it had this uh, you know this like emotional tinge to yeah. it. And, you know, as we started writing music, we were like, or as we started writing more songs, you know, we were like, this is really sad. We just like want to make people cry. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually we did, which was kind of cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for, for whatever reason, that's, I, I don't know why people like attach themselves to that band so much or like what, what about it? Like people really liked, mm-hmm. um, but we definitely, we never expected like the response yeah, I remember saying, that, I that we got was... from that band. Yeah, like Paste Magazine listed mm-hmm. Blood Pheasant as like a band to watch. Right. Totally. And even like Mike Delahante, who was, you know, like I'm sure people on previous episodes have talked about him at length, you know, just being like the king of Providence music, you know. Actually, just, no one has. Really? No. That's surprising. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, for anyone at home, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, Mike D is the guy who, you know, any band that I saw in high school, like at a bigger venue at like Lupo's or The Met or whoever, like it was because of him. Yeah. Like he's, you know, the guy yeah, who yeah. brought in all those huge bands. Mm-hmm. Um, and at one point he, he wrote like a, I think it was, I don't know if it was in the Phoenix or whatever sort of like local publication, but w- like one of our shows was like his top five shows to check out like this month. Cool. Um, and we were like, whoa, that's weird. Like someone of his, and again, he was just, an, he was another person who like at the end of the day was just like a guy that we knew. He just happened to, you know, have some pull within like the music scene. Yeah. Um, and like the fact that we were, we were on his radar was like totally insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just kind of like that band just kind of snowballed and, you know, we recorded a record and then we did like a short like weekend tour, like just in support of the record. Where did you do that record? That one we recorded at a small studio called Lupine Sound, uh, okay. with our friend Chris Devona, who was actually my replacement in Jesus Centric. Again, keeping it all very yeah. Providence and, and insular. <laughs> yeah. Um, and where was that? This was somewhere in Pawtucket. Okay. Don't quote me on that. I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was in Pawtucket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was kind of like learning how to, you know, be a recording uh, oh, okay. a studio engineer. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I remember we gave him a ride home one night, and I was like, hey, so like. You know, not that we're, not that we care, but like, how much do you want for this? Like, just so we know. Yeah. Uh, and he was like, oh, I, I wasn't going to charge you guys. Like, this is just like me learning. Wow. Okay. And we were like, no, 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 no. You're, yeah. you're taking money from us. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we ended up paying him like a hundred bucks, like something like super <laughs> cheap for, for a record. Yeah. Um, but, um, but if, I mean, for him, he, like, he just was just learning. Like, okay. he wanted to just like study, you know, mic placement and, you know, mixing and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um, so we, we did that with him and then, and then Tor Johnson put that, put out that record as well. Thank you, Paul, um, (laughs) for fueling my musical career in one way or another, but we did that record and that, that one ended up selling out of a first pressing too, which was very weird. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that band, you know, we just kind of kept touring more and more, and yeah, you know, we never we never got too far with it. Um, you know, we never really toured past the Midwest, but we did go to Canada, which was really cool. Cool. Um, and you know, we we had some pretty big stuff planned, which was, you know, or or seemingly anyway. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I saw bigger stuff on the horizon for that band just because of what we had already done in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Um, and then, we, you know, we, we broke up shortly after we recorded our second record. So, you know, obviously that momentum got killed, too. Yeah, okay. But, um, but yeah, I mean, like, I think back to that band and, and just think about, like, how how much we were able to do and how, like, little we, like, pushed for it. Yeah, okay. you know, because like with Weak Teeth, it was like, okay, like we need to record, and you know, then we need to go on tour so we can promote the record, mm-hmm. and then you know, when we go on tour, we'll have money so we can print more shirts, and then we can like pay for recording of the next album, and you know, it was just kind of became like the cycle. Yeah. Whereas Blood Pheasant was like, we're just gonna like do this thing, and like we're just gonna like write some songs together. Yeah. And like you know, just like we're just gonna be a band. Okay. Um, and then you know, again, it just kind of snowballed into like okay, now we're doing, like, this three-week tour and, you know, we're opening for some bigger bands and, um, you know, people are coming to see us and people are singing along. You know, it was just a very surreal thing to, like, have a, like, a packed show at AS220 and, like, everyone singing along with us. Yeah. It's, like, our song. Like, I don't think that's ever happened with, like, any other bands aside yeah. from Wee Teeth. But, again, that was until later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just a very like surreal experience to be in that band. And just like all of a sudden there were like, you know, 75 people in AFC 20 who were like singing along. With us. Yeah. Um, and how long was Bullet Pheasant around for? Like what years? We, we started in 2012. Uh, and we, we played our last show at Revival Fest at dusk in 2016. How did you connect with Deleted Arrows? Um, so I connected with Deleted Arrows because I bought an amp off of Brent at uh, some sort of like, I think it was a Girls Rock okay. sponsored like Brent gear from, swap. Uh, Cancer Conspiracy. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, okay. um, so I, uh, I think it was Hillary Jones who was like in charge of like keeping an eye on his amp because he wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember you know, I, I took it home and I, you know, she was like, I'm going to let him get in touch with you for payment. And he, you know, we met up and, uh, you know, and I, I paid him for the amp and we just kind of got to talking and he was, you know, mentioned that he had this project that like wasn't really doing anything. And I was like, like, well, I, I could stand to be in another band. I was already in like two or three at the time. I was like, I'll do another one, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then, you know, he and I started jamming and, and Brent, Brent's a really funny guy. Cause he would, you know, uh, Anyone who's listened to like Cancer Conspiracy or Deleted Arrows knows that like, you know, those are like really intensively written songs. Like there's a lot going on with those. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brent is just like the wackiest musician I've ever played with. That okay. dude is just like on another planet in terms of like what he's able to do and write, uh, yeah, okay. from, from a musical standpoint. And he's just so like humble and he's like, yeah, like, so there's like this part and it's really stupid and it's like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and he would just show me like this gnarly riff and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. like that's not easy or stupid. Yeah. Like you need to slow down, man. Like I can't keep up with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, it was just funny kind of seeing him just kind of like, you're like, oh no, this, this thing is yeah, whatever. And I'm yeah. like, dude, that's sick. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, I'm going to need a minute to like yeah. learn how to play that. And who else was in that band with you? So that band was uh, Brent and I and uh, Mike Veely, who had always been in Deleted Arrows. Yeah. Um, and he was also in Sweet Thieves, yep. like way back in the day. And then Dave, who was in uh, Tinsel Teeth, 
ended okay. up playing bass. So like deleted arrows kind of went through like their own like lineup change over the years. But when I was in it, it was always me, Brent, Mike, and Dave. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that was cool because you know with like Wee Teeth and and Blood Pheasant and a lot of the other bands that I ended up being in like at the same time as and after Deleted Arrows were all kind of with the same people. Yeah. Um, and Deleted Arrows was like one of the first bands or one of the only bands I was in at the time that was with like completely different people. Yeah. So it was cool to like, you know, play with different musicians and like, you know, have a different sense of playing and songwriting and yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, playing with Brent definitely made me a way better guitar player. Um, cause like I, like at that point I had to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I like if I, I needed to get better because if I didn't get better, I wasn't going to be able to play those songs. Yeah. Um, and because of that, I'm like, you know, playing with him made me, you know, able to add, you know, a new kind of layer to like other projects that I was writing for. And, uh, yeah, I, I really miss playing with the leader arrows. That was a really fun time. It mm-hmm. was a really fun band to play in. Those songs were awesome. Those guys are great. Cool. Um, and I mean, it definitely like made me a better musician overall. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Mike is is nuts. But never, you know, anytime I've seen him, I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Man? And yeah, like, like a left handed drummer, kind of playing right hand, but yeah, like his yeah. his ride symbol is like way off to the right, like behind the floor tom. Yeah, um, but like super his complex, and, totally, yeah. just very like linear style of drumming, and he's fantastic. Yeah. He is absolutely fantastic. Missing. Time Cop Beach Party. Oh God, yeah. Time Cop will forever be like one of the most fun bands I've ever been in. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, what type of music was that? That was. Uh, it was just like weird surf rock, mm-hmm. like surf surf rock with like a tinge of punk. Yeah. Um, you know that was that was you know John from Wee Teeth and I and our friend Dylan, uh, who is just like one of the most phenomenal drummers. Mm-hmm. Like. You will ever hear. I, I, I know you've seen him in various mm-hmm. bands, I think. Um, and he is just way too young to be as good as he is. It's, <laughs> it's kind of infuriating. Yeah. Um, but we were just talking about like being in a band that like could potentially make money at doing something. Oh, okay. And I don't know like how or why we started talking about that and you know how that transitioned into Time Cop because Time Cop was not a band that could make money. Yeah. I mean, thinking, we, like, we could play Ocean Mist and, like, Yeah, and maybe, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll do, like, an hour and a half set. We'll make a couple hundred bucks or, yeah, you know, yeah. whatever the hell it was. Um, and, I mean, obviously, we never did. I think, you know, any money that we made was, like, cool, we made, like, 45 bucks of the show. So, like, we can each take 15. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was just kind of, like, because we didn't need to, like, make merch. I mean, we did make merch, but it wasn't, like, we needed to, like, have this, like, we never needed to have, like, like the band cash. You, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, this, like, band pot where, you know, we put all the money in and then it's like, cool, we got like a couple hundred bucks. Like we can do a run of shirts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we just kind of like sunk our own money into it and like, just no fun. one's going to fucking buy this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a band where we could just be like weird and stupid and just have like really dumb ideas. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, ended up making it onto a tape that people ended up, you know, for some reason coming to see. <laughs> uh, and you know, when it was really funny when that band first started, you know, we, we told our friends about it and we were like, yeah, we're, it's like a surf rock band and we're going to like wear these costumes and you know, there's like all these like skits that go along with it. And everyone's like, that's the fucking stupidest thing I've ever heard. In my life. <laughs> like you guys are like almost 30. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they, they heard the record and they were like, okay, like this is kind of cool. Like, I think I get it. And then they, they came to the first show and they were like, okay, actually, you know what? That was awesome. <laughs> so it was just this weird, like, you guys are idiots. 
this is actually really this is fun. Yeah. Um, and it was just, you know, it, like every band that I, that I'd ever been in had always had some sort of like message or like theme. And like the theme of this band was just like, let's just have fun. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just get people to dance and That's like, cool. like laugh for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was just like really silly and really fun. And, you know, we could just kind of be like, you would kind of, we could kind of take on like this other persona. Yeah, um, okay. It's like, cause we're not like just these three guys. We're like this intergalactic, like space force. <laughs> and, you know, we're like hunting down like these evil robots or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and we were just kind of like, on like another plane with, with that whole thing. Um, and it was just, it was just a lot of fun. And, you know, we are, you know, we have been talking about writing another record and like, we do want to play more shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, that's definitely a band that I like do not want to abandon like anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we'll do some more stuff, but you know, remains yeah, to be okay. seen. Well, cool. I guess I, one band that we can touch on a little bit, um, is a band that I'm finally starting after a, a really long time. Um, it's a band called the giant mouse of Minsk. Yeah. Which is, is a band that I was trying to get off the ground for like eight or so years. Uh, it was just, you know, stuff that I've been writing in my room, Mm -hmm. just kind of like stuff that like I had originally written for blood pheasant, but it didn't totally fit with that. So I just kind of kept it for its own thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just like folk tinged post metal, post rock, whatever you want to call it. And it was just, again, stuff that like had never left my bedroom. Um, and it was always kind of like a, you know, I'll do this one day sort of band. Yep. Um, yeah, and that's another band that, like, doesn't really have a, a message. You know, it's just a lot of songs or a lot of things that I wrote when I was just, like, really down on myself, just, like, low to the low. Um, and, like, you know, that's kind of how I channeled my, like, sadness and depression and anxiety yeah. and stuff. And uh, um, and it's just, like, really kind of mind-blowing that, like, it's actually about to see the light of day and, like, I'm going to play it in front of people that's that awesome. are not myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's very, I'm very, very excited about that. Um, Can you talk more about AS220 and, you know, why it's so special to you? Um, so the first, the first, or one of the first shows, like real shows I ever booked, um, was at AS220 and, uh, it was in Meredith was running the calendar. Okay. And I can remember promoting it as like, hey, like, please come out to the show. Because if it's good, then like she'll let me book more shows. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like a please, like I could I could really do something here if you all just kind of like put in a little bit of effort this one time. And yeah. I think actually Cedros played that show. Oh really? If I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. I'm pretty sure the first show I ever booked at Ace Twenty was a Cedros show. Wow. Which is cool. And you know, just having a having a venue where like kind of everything goes. Yeah. Like not really, but kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just a very like inclusive, you know, space where everyone was welcome. Yeah. You know, and it wasn't like going to a show at like the living room or Lubos or something where like if you didn't have the exact amount of money, you weren't getting it. Yeah. Okay. You know, where at ASU 20, if a show was seven bucks and you showed up at four, you know, they were going to let you in with yeah. four bucks. Um, cause they, you know, it was less about the money and just more about like the aspect of, you know, community and like all of us coming yeah, together and exposing and, people to different kinds of art and music. It, and exactly. It was, it was just a way of saying like, it doesn't matter like who you are or what you have, like you're welcome here. That's cool. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's not about the money. It's about like what you're creating. And you know, yeah. for me, it's, it was always about doing something with your friends. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, that AS220 always really promoted. It was, you know, it was just very, you know, it was, it was a creative space. It was like, well, you like, this is where you can do whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. And you know, if no one comes, like it's still a space to do that Yeah. and you can learn how to do that properly. Nice. What would you say is your greatest music accomplishment? Like from, you know, the records you've done to shows you've played or, you know, um, that's, that's tough. I don't know. It's, it's hard to pick just one thing. You know, I mean, the fact that I've put any records out on vinyl is is still pretty wild. Yeah. Um, you know, the fact that some of those records have sold out yeah. is crazy. You know, having people sing along, uh, both friends and strangers, to, like, you know, songs that we've written. You know, being able to travel and, you know, going to different parts of the country and being able to go up to Canada. You know, all of that is, you know, again, is stuff that I, like, dreamed of doing as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and now it's like, you know, it, like realizing that it's a lot more attainable than, you know, I thought at one point. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, you just have to be willing to put in the work. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know the fact that I'm, you know, in my thirties and I'm still able to do this yeah. is, you know, is everything, honestly. You know, the fact that people still care enough to come see what I'm doing. And, and again, they're not coming to see me, you know, specifically. They're just, you know, they, they care enough to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's and it's humbling to be a part of that thing. So, yeah, I mean, I guess in terms of accomplishments, like the fact that I'm still able to do it is, mm-hmm. is the biggest one. Um, you know, I haven't had to, you know, give up and you know, become an adult quite so much yet. Um, you know, I can still kind of fuck off and go on tour and write records and, you know, buy guitars and travel. And shit. Uh, yeah, it's very, it's very cool that I'm still, A, I'm still like physically able to do it and B, you know, there's, you know, people have given me reason to continue to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I like don't take for granted. And I don't think anyone should take for granted. Um, you know, cause there are a lot of people who think that like, just because their band went on tour once, you know, they're hot shit. And it's like, you're like, you got to do that. You know, like no one made you do that. You were like, you were given the opportunity to like travel with your friends and like do something awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I mean, I know you spent enough time on the road to know that it's, you know, it's a, it's a chore at the end of the day. Yeah. I mean, um, I don't know. Eight, years on the road or something mm-hmm. like that. You know? And it's, it's something, and again, like, I mean, I, I don't know about you, but it's something I would never say that I had to go on tour. Like I would always say that I got to go on tour. You mm-hmm. know? Uh, and I, I'm sure you would say the same. Yeah. Um, or it was like a different, like I didn't have to, but there was that drive as a musician. Like I had to in that way. Like I didn't feel comfortable not doing it, I guess. You totally. Know? Like I'd have to be like, we need to go do this. Like we need to go and play these shows. I know that we're going to be playing the, 10 or 20 people in Ohio, mm-hmm. but like, I need to go do that. Totally. Um, but yeah, to your point, it wasn't like, nobody was like forcing me to go on tour. And, yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> it's it, like, at the end of the day, it's just like a really good memory that yeah. you'll like always have. Yeah, um, exactly. And that can never be taken away. I mean, that's totally, you know, um, yeah, something to be, to be grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. Well, nice, Chris. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Of course. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This is awesome.